encourage you to turn in your Bibles today to uh, John chapter 14, verse 1. How many of you know that God doesn't have suggestions? He has commandments, right? No suggestions in the Bible. Well, you'd do better if you would try this. I can't find that anywhere. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. What's, what, are my, what are your commandments, sir? Love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, how can you love anybody that you don't know? Nancy and I have been married for, I don't know, 36 or 37 years. I'll know by May when it comes due again. But, you, but we love each other a whole lot more now than we did 37 years ago. Or I should clarify that. At least I love her more. <laughs> <laughs> No, but sometimes, you know, sometimes God will test you, and Nancy married hers. (laughs) I said, Nancy, you'll never have to go to Bible school. You'll learn everything you learned from the Holy Ghost in me. And so she has. She's doing a pretty good job with me. But anyway, no, but think about it. God won't do for you what he's assigned you to do. So, example, Mark 11, 23 and 24. Whosoever will say to this mountain, Be thou removed and cast in the sea, and don't do it in your heart, but believe the things you say will come to pass, you'll have whatsoever you say. And the things that you desire when you pray, you believe that you receive them, they'll be done unto you. Well, that's you. He didn't say, call me and tell me all about your mountain. Call me about the circumstances that have been. And a mountain is simply a circumstance that's been there so long, it doesn't look like you're ever going to get over it. But weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Sometimes it's the longest night of your life. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's ever going to get over, but you hang in there. He's working. That's, that, that's why I love that song, Waymaker. Even when you don't see him working, he's working. And, you know, Ecclesiastes paints a real good picture of him. It says that he's behind the lattice work in your life. So when you're looking through the lattice work, you get a glimpse now and then. But he's there all the time. He said, I will never leave you. Put that in the bank. Put that one in the bank. I will never leave you. So you're never alone even when you feel like you're alone. I will never leave you. I will never fail you. I will never forsake you. Say never. Never is a long time, right? So how many of you know that if God's not the problem, there's only one person left. That <laughs> would be you. But here in John chapter 14, verse 1, he starts out by saying, let not your heart be troubled. Well, he wouldn't tell you to do that if you couldn't do it. I mean, have you ever tried to do it? And yet he said, let not your heart be troubled. Don't sweat the small stuff. Don't let your heart be troubled. But but when he says that I'm not to let my heart be troubled, then it's not on him to make that happen. It's up to me to keep my heart free. It's up to me to, to keep my heart right on the things of the Spirit of God. And so we're going to look at that for a minute today. Yeah. I, and I've got a couple of different translations I want to read for that verse. Uh, John 14, 1 again, don't worry or surrender to your fear. You've believed in God, now trust and believe in me also. How about this one? 
Don't let your heart be troubled, distressed, or agitated. You believe in and adhere to and trust in and rely on God. You know, it's the Amplified Bible, right? <laughs> Too many words. <laughs> Don't let your heart be troubled, distressed, or agitated. You believe in and adhere to and trust in and rely on God. Believe in and adhere on and trust on God also, right? So, uh, so he's telling me that I'm to trust in him and, and not, uh, not be anxious for anything, not worry. How about verse 26, 27? Let's go over just a page, same chapter. Might be same page for you. Well, I like the whole chapter. We'll pick up verse 24. He that, loves, he that doesn't love me doesn't keep my sayings. The word which you hear is not my word, but it's the word, the Father's word that sent me. I can say that too whenever I preach. You might not like the message, but I didn't, I didn't cook the pizza. I'm just the delivery guy. And sometimes I got it yesterday and you're getting it today. Sometimes I got it 30 years ago and you're getting it today. It just depends on how it works. But, but the point is, when, when we're reading his word, it's his word to you. It's not my opinion. I'm not going to give you my opinion. You don't want my opinion sometimes. But you need to hear his word and hear what he's saying to you. So in verse 26, well, verse 25, these things I have spoken unto you, being present with you. But the Comforter, the Paraclete, the Holy Ghost, which is, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, bring you all things into your remembrance, whatever I have said unto you. Verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. So now there's a big key here because he's going to tell you how to not let your heart be troubled. Like he, he told you not to, to let your heart be troubled, but then the rest of the chapter he's going to tell you how to do that. So we're going to zero in in this verse. Let not your heart be troubled. He said, my peace I'm leaving with you. And it's not the worldly peace that I'm giving to you. It's my peace, the peace that caused me to walk in the middle of a storm, come walking on the water, the peace that caused me to walk through a crowd when they were going to stone me to death, that peace that passes understanding, ruling your heart and ruling your mind. So he said, I'm leaving you something very precious. And when you think about what he left you, he didn't leave you a whole bunch of power. And all. Like, look at the two things he mentions in this couple of chapters here. He said, I'm leaving you my peace and I'm leaving you my joy. He said, I'm leaving you my joy that your joy might be full. Peace and joy. So what is the kingdom? Second, or, or rather, Romans 14, 17. My kingdom is not a physical thing, but it's righteousness. You're right with me. And when you really know that you're right with me, when you get a revelation of that righteousness, it automatically produces peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness in the Holy Ghost, peace in the Holy Ghost, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And Peter said, Wow, it, we haven't seen him, but we love him. You, he said, you haven't seen him, but you love him. But it's, you love him with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy unspeakable. So anytime you can, just check yourself in the mirror. Now, if you, if you look in the mirror, you can tell whether your heart's been troubled or not. <laughs> you know, and when you see it, when, not if, but when you see it, get over it. 
How are we going to get over it? We're going to talk about a, little, a little bit more about that. But he left you his peace, and he left you his joy. He gave you his righteousness. Then he says, I need to take and learn about him. The comforter will come and teach me about him. Let's see if we get another translation for that. I leave the gift of peace with you. My peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. What's the opposite of fear? Courage. Does that mean that fear isn't there? Yeah, fear comes. Fear comes to everybody. How do you overcome fear? Courage. How do you overcome fear? By focusing on somebody that's bigger than you are. Thank you, Lord. You told me not to let my heart be troubled. So you must have empowered me to live that. And if I find myself sitting around moping and in trouble, then I need to realize that, see, if you can't control your thoughts, who is? Right? If you're not controlling your thought life, then somebody else is. And if it's a good positive thought, we'll know where it came from. But if it's a negative thought, the devil's got your ear. You don't need to listen to him at all. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. Peace I leave with you, my own peace. I know and I give and bequeath. Here's the amplified again. <laughs> Peace I leave with you, my own peace. I know, give, and bequeath it to you. Not like the world gives peace. Don't let your heart be troubled. Neither let, neither let them make you afraid. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed. And do not permit yourselves to be fearful or intimidated or cowardly or unsettled. Well, that pretty much covers that, doesn't it? Okay, then, so a parallel to that would be over in Philippians chapter 4. And I love Philippians chapter 4 because it's, you know, my favorite verse is in 4.4. 4. You know, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. When you're rejoicing in the Lord, you don't have time to be troubled. What are you doing when you're rejoicing in the Lord? You change your focus off yourself and off your situation under the greater one. Rejoice in the Lord. Paul was sitting in a prison when he wrote that to the church in Philippi. He was up to his ankles in poop, and he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. Now think about it. If he could rejoice in a situation like that, then you can rejoice in whatever your deal is right now and today, right? Okay, Philippians, I said to go there, right? Okay. Pastor Paul rehearses this all the time. God's electric power company. You can always find Philippines when you remember, remember that. <laughs> okay, chapter 4 and verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, and then let the peace of God rule in your heart. The peace of God that passes understanding will keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. So again, keep, keep looking at yourself in the mirror. And if you see a sour look, you know you've been focused on the wrong thing, right? How about this translation? Be cheerful. 
with joyous celebration. I mean, that's what Ashton's up here trying to do with us all the time, right? Hey, wake up. God's good. He's a way maker, even when I don't see you working. I didn't know Nick could sing. See, that's what, that's, that was today. But it was just another thing that unfolded before us this morning. Yeah. Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. You don't know what happened to me. I'm just telling you. The answer is right here. Be joyful in a joyous celebration in every season in life. People will think you're nuts. Say, yeah, I am a nut. I found the right bolt and I got threaded on. Man, I'm ready. I'm ready. Tighten me down. Torque me up. Do something. Let you... Let your joy overflow, and let gentleness be seen in every relationship, for our Lord is ever near. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about anything. Now you think about that in Proverbs 18, 20, and 21. He said, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death aren't in the power of the devil. Life and death aren't in the power of God. He said, life and death are in the power of the tongue. He said, and they that love it will eat the fruit that it bears, whether it's good or bad. He said, in other words, your future's coming out of your mouth. What are you saying? And if you're not saying the right things, change what you're saying. He's saying, it's not up to me. He said, my promise to you is with long life, I will satisfy you. I want you to live until you're satisfied. And then I will show you my salvation. So anybody said, well, God took them home early. No, God didn't take anybody home. He receives them, but he didn't take anybody home. Matter of fact, Ezekiel, in Ezekiel chapter 18, I think of verse 1, he said, I take no pleasure in anyone dying. And in Corinthians chapter 15, he said, the last enemy that will be put away is death. Death is an enemy of man, and death is an enemy of God. It wasn't his choice. Okay? You all right with that? Okay. Don't be worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day offering your faith-filled request before God with overflowing gratitude. See, so those aren't worry prayers. How I many of you know God doesn't answer worry prayers? I hate to disappoint you, but you know, you know Hebrews eleven six says, without faith it's impossible to please him. Number one, you believe that he exists. And number two, that he's the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So I can't come and, and list all my troubles because I don't have an audience. Matter of fact, I get my audience when I enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. There is a way to get in there, but it's through praise and worship. It's not through worry and doubt and unbelief. Yeah, so I knew that would cheer you up. Okay. <laughs> Be saturated in prayer throughout each day. Well, I don't have time to pray. Yeah, you do. You got time to worry. Just take your worry time and turn it into prayer time. And when he says pray without ceasing, he knows you have work. He knows you have a job. He's not saying, you know, pray every minute of the day. He's saying don't let, prayer, don't let your prayer life slip away because everything, everything that you do for God will, will come under attack. You can sit and watch TV and watch nonsense on TV for hours and not get sleepy. Put on a preacher. Right? No opposition to all that junk. 
I have a program that I walk with my wife, watch with my wife, and and I'm not going to tell you about it. But but I will mention this: there was a scene last night where uh, some bad guys, three bad guys, loaded with guns, were were in a place, and this Mountie with the red suit and the striped pajamas came <laughs> r- came riding up, and. Uh, the, the biggest guy in the crowd said, are we going to have trouble with you? He looked at him and said, you can count on it. And I thought, that's the way you need to do the devil. Am, am I going to have trouble with you? Absolutely. For the rest of your miserable life, I'm going to be trouble to you. And then you're going to end up in a lake of fire forever and forever, and I'm not even coming to your dumb funeral. Hallelujah. Let your requests, your faith-filled requests, notice there's a condition there too. <laughs> oh God, oh God, oh God. There's no faith in oh God, oh God, oh God. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. You watch over your word to perform it, you said in Jeremiah 1.12. Thank you, Lord. You said in Romans 8.17 that your word would not return on you void, that it would prosper what you sent it into the earth to do. That's not Romans 14.17, but it works. Where's that, Isaiah 55, 11? Yeah, yeah. My, my word will not return unto me void. How does it return? Not from your coffee table. From your mouth. Give voice. Matter of fact, in Psalm 103, verse 20, it says, angels hearken unto the voice of God's word. They don't hearken unto the book laying on the table. You're going to be speaking the word out. Why? Because in Hebrews 1, 14, he said, We've been sent to minister to the heirs of salvation. Can you imagine some of them are sitting around with cobwebs over their wings because they haven't done anything so long, waiting for you to say something. Just say something. (laughs) Say something. Give them something to work on. Anyway, it says, tell him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ. Keep your thoughts continually. Okay, but he's telling me I need to keep my thoughts. I need to keep my thoughts. I need to guard my heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of my life, the boundaries of my life. I need to watch what I'm thinking. And when I'm thinking the wrong stuff, I just go to the Bible and begin to speak out the right stuff. Changes what I've been thinking. You still have to do that. I've been a pastor for over 30 years. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> I do it all the time. Because my heart would get troubled easily if I let it. And, and mostly because I, I pastor a church and I've been going for over 30 years. And I, and I see people that have left and gone to other churches. And I've told you this before. You know, it's sad to see them go, but you're, but you're okay with that. But when they leave and they're out there, you know, showing up on, on Facebook and other social media, sitting downtown half drunk, then it doesn't make you feel good. It makes you think. It, and again, it reminds me of when I was walking through the minefield in Israel. The sign said, danger, minefield, stay on the road. What did you do, Gary? I'm here. I stayed in the middle of the road. Let me tell you something. I didn't even get over near the edge. <laughs> so... So, but, you know, but, but again, 
That's how you serve God, too. You don't see how close to the world you can get. You say, how, how can I? Because the, he said, straight as the gate narrows the way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. He said, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Yeah, you end up down there in the minefield, and you step on a mine, not even knowing because you didn't read the sign, not even knowing you're in a minefield until you're gone. But see, all of this started back in Genesis chapter 3. God gave a commandment to, to, to the man, Adam, and, to, and uh, he, dis, he, did, he said, no, he said, I, I'm going to write a new song here. I did it my way. The theme song of hell, I did it my way. And then on top of all that, after he did it his own way, he blamed his wife. Th that stuff is still going on today. Just ask Nancy. I mean, she'll tell I know you are. You're the standard I have to rise up to. That's okay. <laughs> God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ. Keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real. This is, this is chapter 4 and verse 8. Authentic and real, honorable and admirable beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God praising him. So he's telling me again. He's telling me what he told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. You want to be prosperous? You want to have good success? Meditate my word day and night. Mutter, utter, speak my word out of your mouth. And then you, he said, he said then I will make your way prosperous. He said, no, then you will make your way prosperous and have good success. It's like the one with his blood. He said, well, it's because I'm almighty God that you got healed. No, he said, according to your faith, it was done unto you. Because you got a hold of the word of God, begin to speak it out and speak it out until it manifested in your life. And according to your faith, according to what you believed, according to what you expected, 12 years of doctors couldn't do anything. You're sick and weak and frail. But you heard the word of God. You, you read Malachi chapter 4 and verse 2. You're the king of righteousness, the son of righteousness who will rise with healing in his prayer shawl. Hallelujah. And if I can just touch the hem of that garment, I'll be healed. And so he crawled, she crawled on her hands and knees and did it. But she had to start talking at first. You, you know, you, you got to get your speaker hooked up to your believer. You got to be talking what you're believing. Just, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm believing. No, you got to talk it out. Speak to your mountain. Don't dial 1-800-MOUNTAIN. Say, hey, mountain, I want to talk to you right now. I want to talk to you for a few minutes right now. And then what if it doesn't fall right away? Well, he said in Isaiah 43, he said, I'll make you into a new sharp thre threshing instrument, having teeth. You'll thresh the mountains and beat them small. So again, it wasn't something that happened all the, all, right away. He said, you're turning the hills to chaff. And he said, then my Holy Ghost will come in. The wind will carry them and scatter them. A whirlwind will scatter them, and you'll rejoice in the Lord and glory in the Holy One of Israel. So the thing that you focus on is your desired result. How long does it take? How long have you got? Are you, are you that busy that you can't believe God for more than a couple of weeks? What if it takes years? Again, are you going somewhere? Yeah. Years are nothing to God. This, this bracelet I have, 
It was made by a Navajo. And I bought it because when I bought it, I, I was standing on the border. I had uh, Utah on this leg and Arizona on this leg. And in this leg, there was an hour time difference between one leg and the other leg. No, <laughs> no kidding, no kidding. T time change right there. And I heard the Lord say, this is, time was set uh, for you. It wasn't set for me. I, I don't work in time. I work in seasons. And you just need to know that whatever season you're in, it's your job to rejoice. Praise the Lord. And then I went and I bought this ring. And this ring has a, a red stone in it. It's a Pacific coral that they found in the Arizona desert. Well, how did that get there? <laughs> like, you know, the signs are all around you. You just got to look, man. You can't believe what the scientists are telling you. <laughs> and especially you can't believe what the politicians are telling you. What you can believe is the book we're looking at right here and right now. We just had an election, but it didn't change anything. It changed everything, but it didn't change anything as far as we go. It's like the queen died after 70 years of reigning. And we sang every, every day in class. We sang, oh, Canada, and God save our gracious queen, long to reign over us. And we had a picture of her in, in the hallway of our house. It, matter of fact, I think every host in the community had pictures of the queen back then. But what she did was, like her seat in the spirit realm, it's different than the one in the natural realm. And her seat in the spirit realm was they brought law and order to every nation. The sun didn't set on the British Empire. Now, I'm not saying they did it right. I'm just saying that God used what they did to set up authority so that the gospel could be preached into those places. And it was before the United States took over. Now, the United States is in kind of turbulence because there's no leadership there either. But... Her, her, her death was significant. I know that it was. Do you know why? No. That's 70 years exactly she was reigning in the earth. So, we'll see. I know who reigns forever. How about that? I know the one that said, I sit in the heavens and laugh and I have them in derision. He's our God. He said, you know, when you read through the Old Testament, kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall, good kings, bad kings. Ugly kings, come, right? They just come and go all the time. And it's like we're going through Isaiah now, and a little bit of it's good, but some is like, well, oh, give, me, give me a break. <laughs> but you realize it's all about the rebellion of man. See, if, if, if man had not rebelled, if Adam had, hadn't had said, I'm going to do it my way, I'm going to ignore God and do it my way, we'd have had, we'd have had a, two chapters in Genesis and two chapters in the book of Revelation. The rest of it is all, all man running from God and God reaching out to man. Now, I know that, you know, he said, go and preach the good news, the gospel into all the world. I know that when you preach the gospel, it means good news from the battlefield. It means that Christ won. But I also know that not everything in the Bible is good news. <laughs> the, but we're not supposed to preach that. We're supposed to preach the good news. He didn't say, go judge everybody and use that against them. He said, preach the good news. What's the good news? God is for you, not against you. It's the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. It's not, you better fly right. Well, you know, who could fly right? I couldn't fly right. I found a picture of you, Pastor Paul, in my office today, man. 
peace said, put it up on the big screen. I said, no. I said, no, he'd hate me. <laughs> no, but I hadn't seen this one in a long, long time. But anyway, but it spoke to me of how good God is. It spoke to me of he knew when he saw you then. With those Louisville slugger drumsticks and the band around your head and the hair and the tights and all that stuff. He said, that's my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Come on, come on. He knew because he sees the end from the beginning, aren't you glad? Okay, am I way off track again here? My phone shut off. That's how far we've been going there. Okay. Fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising him. Next translation. Rejoice in the Lord always. Delight and glad yourselves in him again. I say rejoice. Let men know and perceive. This has got to be amplified. Men, let know and perceive and recognize your own selflessness. That's what verse 5 means. You live in a selfless life. Your considerateness and your, your forbearing spirit. Don't fret or have anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in every prayer and petition with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God, and God's peace shall be yours. That tranquil state of the soul, assured of your salvation. So again, you have peace in your soul because you're assured of your salvation. Doesn't matter what else is going on. He's got you in his, he's got you in his grip. The peace of God that transcends all understanding shall garrison your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And whatever is true and worthy of reverence and honorable and just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and lovable, whatever is gracious, if there's any virtue, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Fix your mind on those things. Fix your mind. Did you know that you could actually fix your mind? So I, I need to read this. This is not a part of the message, but I've been meditating it the last couple of weeks. And it's my new definition of what faith looks like. And so I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 8 before we go into the Old Testament. And it says this, though we experience every kind of pressure, we are not crushed. At times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but we're not knocked out. We continually share in the death of Jesus in our own bodies so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed to our humanity. Hmm. You're like that. Another translation. We are, we, we are human. We experience every kind of pressure, but we are not confined. We are often confused. <laughs> no, but I mean, think about perplexed. Have you ever been perplexed? I asked you that last week, I think. You ever been per perplexed? That's like, what in the world is going on? I don't understand that. God, I know you're for me and not against me. I can't figure this out. Well, again, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, to say rejoice. We experience every kind of pressure. We're not confined. We are often confused, but never totally immobilized. We are persecuted by men, but never abandoned by God. 
thrown to the ground by our opponents, but never totally wiped out. These negative experiences remind me that I'm daily sharing in the death of Christ, while my inner resources, which experience these things, uh, call forth a manifestation of my participation in his resurrection life. What's that mean? It means when when you're just going through things and you just take it, the world can't take it. The world is full, so full of fear right now, if you haven't noticed. I'm sure it clouded our election that we had last night, big time, because one of the candidates spoke out against the vaccine. Well, that was goodbye, see you later when you do something like that. Because the world is love with the vaccine. Okay, leave that alone. Okay, I will. Let's go to, um, where can we go? Let's go to Samuel. Uh, No, let's go to Psalm 112. Now, Psalm 112, I've taught it a number of times over a number of years because David wrote Psalm 112 when he was in Ziklag in Samuel chapter 30. In Samuel chapter 30, he came back from doing the Lord's will. And when he got back home, his house was burned to the ground. And his, and his wife and kids were kidnapped. How many of you know that's a bad day? Right? That's a bad day. But then it says in Samuel chapter 30, it says, David wept until he had no more power to weep. Right? Which is, which is what you do when somebody dies that you loved. It's okay to do that, but you better not stay there. But he wept until he had no more power to weep. But then the Bible says he encouraged himself. In the Lord. How did he encourage himself? Psalm 111, Psalm 112, Psalm 113. 112 is what I want to look at. Because I'm convinced that what kills other people will carry you. What, you know, God told, God told, uh, God told David, rather, I want you to get up now, pursue your enemies, overtake them, and recover everything that they stole from you and everything they stole in the land for the past two years. And they, that that one event, that one event in Samuel chapter 30 made David one of the wealthiest men and his 400 men that were with him, some of the wealthiest men in Israel. So those of you that don't like prosperity, you shouldn't probably read that chapter. But um, let's read Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. I said, pray, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord and delights greatly in his commandments. His seed, now he doesn't know where his kids are. His kids are kidnapped. But listen, you might be sitting here today and not know where your kids are. How many of you know, you know, like some of you all experience your kids going to school for the first time. How many of you know you can't go with them? So somewhere along the line, you got to trust that God's going to take care of them, right? You carry that. I don't care if they're 15, 18, 22, 35. My daughter Carolyn living in Costa Rica. You know, those things, you just don't take your faith off them. You don't take your faith on them because he said, they're re- he said they'll return from the camp of the enemy. That's what he said in Jeremiah 31, the, the prodigal chapter. He said, re- re- he said, stop weeping and stop your eyes from tears. Your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord. They will come back from the camp of the enemy. So again, but 
Yeah, but you don't know what it looks like. I'm telling you what the Word says. It don't matter what it looks like. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Don't go to God and say, oh, God, you're just going to save my son. You don't know what he's doing right now. Yeah, he knew what, he, he knew what you were going to be. He knew what he was doing before he was ever born into the earth. <laughs> you know, whatever you tell God, it's not a surprise to him. Really? That's what's going on right now? No, he, he's sitting in peace, and he said, I gave you my peace so that you could sit with that same peace no matter what's going on in your wife, in your life, in your kids. doesn't matter. So praise the Lord. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord and delights greatly in his commandments. His seed, this is what he's prophesying over his kids when he doesn't know where they are. I love Isaiah 18. I and the children that you've given unto me are for signs and wonders in the nations. Thank you, Lord, that you contend with those that contend with me and give safety to my children. Thank you, Lord, that all my children shall be taught by the Lord and great is their peace and their undisturbed composure. That's what you say with your kids. And they'll say, oh, God, you never know what they're going to do next. His seed shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Wealth and riches shall be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Unto the upright there arises a light wind. Wind, wind. It, wind yeah, wind. When it's dark. When things don't look like they're going your way. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. In the world is a darkness, but a gross darkness upon the people, but God's glory shall be seen upon you. God's glory shall be seen upon you. Your heart will reverence and be enlarged because of the abundance of the sea. The Gentile nations will be converted unto you. Kings and influential people will come to the brightness of your rising. How many of you know that hasn't been fulfilled yet? And how many of you know that this is the last generation? Your heart will reverence and be enlarged. Kings and influential people will come to the brightness of the rising of the church. Well, because they don't have any answers out there. They don't have any answers out there. I mean, you're going to depend on Trudeau or Biden to solve the world's problems? <laughs> it's hard to solve them when you're a part of them. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Anyway, okay, leave that alone. <laughs> there arises a light in the darkness. He is gracious, full of compassion and righteous. A good man shows favor and lends. He guises the affairs with discretion. Surely he will not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. This is verse 7. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart's fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart's established in verse 8. He shall not be afraid. He will see his desire upon his enemies. What are you saying here? God will vindicate you. Doesn't matter what's going on. God will vindicate you. Amen. Yes. Another translation. And then we'll be done. Hallelujah. Happy is the person who fears the Lord, taking great delight in his commands. His descendants will be powerful in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house. His righteousness endures forever. Light shines in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious and compassionate and righteous. God will come from God will come to the one who lends generously and conducts his affairs fairly.
He'll never be shaken. The righteous one will be in everlasting remembrance. He'll not fear bad news. Why? Because his heart is confident, trusting in the Lord. His heart is assured. He will not fear. And in the end, he will look and triumph over his foes. Hmm. I like that. Got another one? Yeah, okay, one more and then we'll close. Is there a second closing or a first one? We're circling in the airport. Okay, right now. Shout in celebration a praise to the Lord. Some people like it loud in here. I heard that in the first song. Yeah. Especially my son. My son, my very own son. <laughs> Shout to the Lord in celebration of praise unto the Lord. Everyone who loves the Lord and delights in him will cherish his words and be blessed beyond expectation. That their descendants will be prosperous and influential, and every generation of the righteous will experience his favor. Great blessings and wealth will fill his house, fill the house of the wise. Their integrity endures forever, even in darkness, even if darkness overtakes them. There's a sunrise brilliance that will come bursting through because they are gracious to others. So tender and so true. Life is good for the one who's generous and charitable, conducting his affairs honestly and in truth. The circumstances will never shake them, and, and others will never forget their example. They will not live in fear or dread of what may come, for their hearts are firm, ever secure in the faith, steady and strong that they are not afraid but will calmly face every foe, and they'll go down in defeat. Now, again, I'm not going to go to Samuel chapter 30, but I, I encourage you to read it because what David did in the middle of all that is, okay, he found out, he, 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 when God, when he took out the Urim and the Thurman, when he got out the, the, the uh, ephod and began to pray, God said, I want you to pursue them, overtake them, and recover all. So now he's off, he's off and running. He's got 600 men with him, and they're going hard. But then 200 of them, because they just came back from, from a battle over in Ziklag, they just came back, came back from a war, came back to Ziklag, and 200 of the men were so tired that he said, stay here by the river, and the rest of us will go on. So, the, so they went on, and they came across an Amalekite. I don't even know anything about Amalekites. They were not very popular back then. And really, they're not now because Amalek, Amalek means doubt and unbelief. So, but anyway, he stopped for this Amalekite, and um, the guy was almost dead. He had been with the soldiers that, that robbed his house, and he, they threw him, when he got sick, they threw him in the ditch. So David come along. Now, you're, you're, your kids are kidnapped. The last thing you want to do is help somebody else, Right? No, wrong. David stopped, recognizing the divine appointment, and he pulled the guy up out of the ditch and gave him a cake of figs and revived him and spent some time with him. And then the guy told him, look, I'll tell you where your enemy is. And he told him how to get there. And then the Bible says that they were so secure. The Bible says they, they, were, they covered, the, they covered the, the whole area. There were so many tents, and, and they were all drunk, celebrating their victories, had Money stashed up everywhere, and uh, here comes David with his 400 men. And God, uh, God discomfited is, the, I think, the word he uses. He 
messed up their thinking and they began to jump up and kill and destroy one another till they were all dead and gone. And David and his 400 men came and picked up all the spoil. But then when they went back across the river, the 400 didn't want to share it with the other 200. Hey, we went and fought and these guys did nothing. But David took that time and, and took the opportunity to teach them how to live this kingdom life. And so they shared everything uh, with the 600. And then the Bible says that David took the money and he sent it out to every place that ever took care of him over all the years he was running from Saul. And that money, that given is what, what ushered in his kingdom. So the worst day of his life turned into the best day of his life. The worst circumstance that you'd be facing if you, if you got God in your corner, God will turn it around. Will, it, will he turn it around in a day or two like he did with David? Maybe. Maybe it'll take longer than that. But again, this, this bracelet was, was one hour apart. One hour in Arizona, one hour in Utah. God's saying, hey, time is, I'm not of time. To everything, there is a season, and there's seasons for you to prosper. F figure out what season you're in, and if it's harvest time, go and harvest if it's seed time, go and plant seed. You know, but but again, don't do the don't do the Adam thing. It's all about me, and I want to blame somebody else. Don't play the blame game for anybody. Don't play it, and realize that you need to take responsibility for your own life. If Adam had said, "You're right, God, I rebelled against you," he'd have done John one nine, confessed his sin. And the whole, the whole deal would have shifted. But no, he had to blame the woman. Then he had to blame God. It was a woman that you gave me. The woman that you gave me. It can't be anything in me. Lovable me. Let me just say, without God, you're not lovable, okay? <laughs> in Christ, you're wonderful. Outside of Christ, we, we don't want to know you. <laughs> we hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.